The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. Amen. Well, things are going to look a little different today. As you may have saw online, uh, what you heard last week, our students left uh, for Mission Arlington uh, last week. They left last Saturday and uh, were there through this past Friday uh, and they had a great time. Uh, we went up and visited them a little bit. And man, I'm just really proud that you know we got students from our church that are willing to uh, give up a week of spring break to go and proclaim the gospel. And they actually legitimately proclaim the gospel. It's not like you know just passing out flyers or whatever. They're actually telling people about Jesus. Uh, and, and I was just blown away. I'm always blown away at how students are bold enough to do that, right? Because a lot of times adults, we, we, we sit back in fear and we, and we don't do that. But they... Uh, they went and they uh, shared their testimonies. Every single one of them shared their testimony. Uh, they actually opened up the Bible and taught kids uh, from the Bible. And so I'm just super proud of them every time. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time hearing from them about their trip. Uh, but we're also going to hear from Cameron, our student guy. And some of you, uh, you've seen him around. You've seen him playing keys. You know that he's musically seen lead worship. Uh, but he's also a phenomenal leader. He, uh, When we were doing student ministry at Calvary, he was over there with us as a student. And even when he was in middle school, he was leading uh, other students to be in the youth band and to, to do other stuff. And so I've always been super uh, impressed with Cameron and proud of who he is as a person and the leader that he is. And so I'm excited that you get to kind of hear from him this morning. He's also a, a, a prankster, apparently. He hired a mariachi band to come and wake the kids up one morning at Mission Arlington, which is hilarious. It's like the best joke I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but it's hilarious. They, they wake up at 6.45 in the morning to a mariachi band that he literally hired to come in place and wake them up one morning. It was awesome. So uh, we're going to let him uh, lead us this morning. He's going to have the students come up and then speak to us and challenge us this morning. So put your hands together for Cameron this morning. All right, well, good morning. Uh, like he said, it's going to look a little bit different. Um, I'm just excited to be here. I've gotten to meet a lot of y'all. Uh, Maddie and I have been here for about six months, and so we're uh, really excited and thankful that we've been able to meet the youth and get to know your students and get to know you as a church. We're happy that this is our new home church and look forward to meeting you more. Um, but this morning, we're, uh, we're going to be looking at what Mission Arlington is because a lot of you, you hear Mission Arlington and all you know is the stuff you've seen on social media and we talk about it. If you saw on Facebook, uh, a few days before we were supposed to leave, our van rental fell through and so um, we got to see the church within an hour raise enough money for us to purchase a van to keep and take. And that was an awesome start. <clears throat> um, you might have seen on social media, some students woke up to the mariachi band, and uh, it was an awesome week. We, all, we, we expected it to be able to make us grow, grow closer to the students, and it was. A lot of the students uh, we made better relationships with, students that we had known before, but we take them there, and you're living so close together, and you're so stressed out and sleep-deprived. I'm still not caught up in sleep. I still look like a raccoon with my bags under my eyes, but... Um, it was a great week, and so uh, I'm going to explain to you all what Mission Arlington is, and then uh, we're going to have the students come up, and a couple of them are going to tell us about what the week looked like for them, and then I'm going to share how we can bring that here to uh, Mid-County. And so whenever we say Mission Arlington, we are talking about an actual organization in Arlington, Texas. They call themselves Mission Arlington. It started in 1986 by this lady named Tilly Bergen. Uh, she, she went to... South Korea with her parents. They were missionaries there for 10 years. And uh, after she came back with her parents, there were years where she was in Arlington thinking about all the things that she saw in Korea 
and wanted those same things to happen here. And so uh, she came to Arlington, and she couldn't get people to come to church. Um, Everywhere you see people having church and wanting people to come, but it's hard to actually bring them there, especially if they don't know anything about church. And so she started bringing church to them. She went to an apartment complex and started what they called just an apartment church. They had a a person there uh, rent out their room. And so for one day they had a Bible study and everybody in the apartment, they would go around knocking on doors and ask them to come to this specific apartment and they'd have a Bible study. And after a couple years, it started to grow to where that first apartment was kind of self-sufficient. It was its church at an apartment. So she went to another apartment and another. And now 35 years later, they have a metroplex, they call it the Mission Metroplex, in the middle of Arlington, Texas, with uh, things that they're running all the time. And so uh, I'm going to read their mission statement on their website. If I need to get a mic, just let me know. I've probably already messed it up. Um, so their mission statement is, Mission Arlington is a faith-based organization which utilizes hundreds of volunteers and a multitude of services to assist people with their physical, intellectual emotional, and spiritual needs. And so that's their goal, the goal of every church. But all day, all year, they're running different things. So at their Metroplex, they have offices with a dentist clinic, a doctor's, uh, doctor's office. They have different donations coming through. I'm going to grab a mic. Maybe this will make it a little bit easier. Um, so they're used to, they have a small staff at their offices, and uh, they're used to having volunteers and staff come through, and so they're going through all these donations that people in Arlington give them, clothes, food, they have a, uh, like a pantry full of canned goods and bread, and they have so much that we see them just take out loaves of bread and give 50 out at a time, go to apartment complexes. That was one day, they gave all the teams there just like 500 loaves of bread, and we just went out to apartments and gave them out. Because everyone there knows what Mission Arlington is and helps them uh, donate some things. It seems like they're running things all year, 25 hours a day. There's always someone there. It seems like they're doing more than what's physically possible, always bringing in donations, always organizing it to where they go out to places and, and help those physical needs. And so here's some statistics from 2019 just to kind of get a picture of how big they got. Um, the, the lady who started at Tilly will come out and, and share things that are going on this week. But on their website, uh, you can see in 2019, over 3,500 free dental treatments were provided, giving over $1 million of free dental care, 11,000 medical visits, giving $1.5 million of free medical care, and $3 million of prescriptions. 10,000 students in Arlington got all the school supplies they needed, backpacks and notebooks uh, in 2019, They have Christmas activities. Like I said, it's all over Arlington, and so they'll have a program here at this church. They'll have a program at this park. Uh, Over last Christmas in 2019, uh, they had 7,000 volunteers at all those places and let them give away 5,000 bikes to kids and tell a Christmas story in five different languages to 32,000 people of which over 1,500 people were saved. And so they're always having things going on. Their objective is we're going to fill this physical need And obviously that brings people in who aren't interested in church. Everybody's interested in being able to eat and have things to give to their kids for Christmas. And so they come there for that, but that's not the reason they're doing it. They have this motivation behind it all the time of once we get them, we're here to show them what the gospel is. And they always take those opportunities really well. And so on top of that, every single week, there are over 360 
congregations that are met on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, like traditionally. They also have Thursday nights, Tuesday mornings. All throughout the week, 360 places meet at apartments or parks, uh, different churches like that, averaging 3,800 people per week. And so they send out these volunteers to lead these Bible studies. They spread the word. Um, we've done some stuff like that, but they're doing that everywhere throughout Arlington and Grand Prairie and Fort Worth and Dallas. And they're having all those people come in. And so everybody, uh, whenever you go knocking on doors and telling people that we're having Mission Arlington, everybody immediately knows what it is. Everybody in Arlington has heard about it. They've been helped by them probably in some way, or they've donated something to them before. Uh, Mission Arlington is a very popular thing there. And so... Um, they focus on those physical needs, and uh, they use that as a tool to provide the gospel, a lot like what we're doing here with um, laundromat outreach and stuff like that. And so we take our students every year. Um, I've gone uh, since 2014, every year, uh, spring break. And so there's an opportunity that Mission Arlington has where all those apartment churches, uh, they try to have a VBS type thing once a year uh, throughout the week at their apartment. And so they have all of these apartments, over 100 apartments, that they need teams to send out to to run a vacation Bible school type thing. They call it Backyard Bible Club or Rainbow Express. And so they have a curriculum where they'll bring in kids and they'll go to an apartment and they'll start knocking on doors and tell them, hey, at the park here at the apartment, uh, we're going to be playing games, having snacks, and we're going to have a Bible study. And so it's their spring break, and so the parents are fine with them going off and playing games and having fun. And while they're there, the students have... Uh, planned for months, uh, telling stories and sharing their testimonies and investing in these kids for a week to share the gospel with them. And so it helps Mission Arlington. Uh, it helps the kids that we go and see and the parents because what ends up happening is their parents come and they're interested in what's happening. And so uh, the adult leaders that go, we get to talk to them. Uh, there's some like youth age people that they get to talk to. And so um, it's a really cool thing for them, but it's also a really big thing for the students. For me, it was a big chance for me to have a sense of leadership because we try to set it up to where all the students have to do is prepare what they're going to do once they get there. They don't have to worry about food. They pay one thing, and the adult leaders help budget it and help make sure they get to where they need at time. They're focused on sharing the gospel. That's their objective for the week. And so starting in uh, the middle of February, they started uh, reading all of these stories and preparing what kind of games they were going to play. We had a team leader, and so these, uh, these 10 students planned everything that they were going to do. We didn't have anything to do with telling them how to tell the Bible story or telling them how to run the games, but they planned all of it uh, and to bring the gospel to these kids. And so a lot of them had really cool things happen, and so y'all can go ahead and come up, the people who are going to come up. Uh, they have cool stories to share. They have uh, things that they change throughout their week. For me, I can think about specific things. Uh, like, like Daniel said, I started going in middle school, and so whenever you're given the, the chance to say, this is my job for the week, to share the gospel, it gives you that sense of urgency that I only have these people for a week, and I need to invest in them and plan these things. And so it's a really big leadership opportunity for, the, for them and so we are going to give them a chance to talk about it. There you go. So we have here uh, Caden Hall and Richard. He was our, uh, our team leader for Mission Arlington, and so he helped uh, organize everything. And then we have Lori and Lainey, <coughs> and it was y'all's first times going. 
but y'all have been before, right? And so we have some questions for them, and they're going to answer them and tell us a little bit about their week. And so Caden's going to start us off. What was your favorite memory from the week overall? So um, we were staying at a uh, church in, like, downtown Arlington, and right by the church there was a basketball court. And there were, like, a bunch of kids that would go out there just all day and, like, play basketball, play football. And every day, whenever we'd get home from like going out and doing our VBS, we'd just go out and play with them, invest with them, make them feel loved, and uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite moment was, uh, so how our food went was we had a budget for uh, lunch and dinner. We had a $9 budget for lunch and then a $12 budget for dinner. And on the last night, I think, we, uh, we passed by McDonald's and we wanted it. So we started shouting at Cameron to take us to McDonald's, and we had a whole ride and everything. And uh, so eventually that turned into me and Cameron arguing whether we go to a fancy place with a bigger budget or just go to McDonald's and settle for a lower budget. But uh, we ended up losing that. But we ended up going in the morning for uh, breakfast, so it was fun. Um, my favorite memory was when we were at the apartments. Um, I took pictures with my camera of everyone and seeing them all smile. And uh, one day, one morning, we were on our way to go get breakfast. And uh, with my camera, we, like, took videos and made a little vlog. And it, we just had a lot of fun with the camera. And, Yeah. Um, my favorite memory was, like, on the last night, we played Chubby Bunny karaoke, and we tried seeing how many marshmallows we could fit in our mouth while singing, and um, it didn't really end too good. Most of us started choking on marshmallows, um, but yeah, that was my favorite memory. All right, and what is something that you were anxious about for the trip leading up to it, something you were worried about, and uh, how did God work out that thing that you are anxious about? Um, I was very anxious about saying my lesson. I didn't really know which lesson I was saying to like the day before. Um, but God ended up helping me say the words and preaching the gospel to all the kids. And, yeah. um, the f one thing that made me really anxious was going and knocking on the apartment doors because you don't know what you're what the door is going to open up to. And uh, God just really helped me step out of my comfort zone and uh, be able to knock on the doors and just invite the kids. Uh, I was really anxious about the young age group that I was going because um, usually in the past we'd have a lot of older seniors and juniors going and they'd all be 18, 17, whatever age. It'd be mostly that. But this year, we had a lot of younger people going, so it really outweighed that scale. And I was just kind of nervous about, uh, like, usually we'd have our stuff together, but I didn't know if we'd be able to keep everything in line and have a like, actual schedule going on because of the young age group. So I didn't know how that would work out, but uh, everything turned out to be fine. It just went as normal, and if not, really better, if, uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> I was very anxious about, like, 
all the kids running around because in previous years we weren't like able to keep them in one spot and they'd run around and then we'd like have to stop our lesson to go bring them back over here but uh, God like really helped it out because even if there were kids running around all the other kids just wanted to stay still and learn about the lesson yeah. so what is something that you did this week that you wouldn't have thought that you could do um, I was like I was surprised that I was actually patient with like mainly Richard um, <laughs> like normally in the past years we get into arguments like every day so yeah I was just really surprised about that it's his fault uh <laughs> Okay, <laughs> something that I didn't think I could do is uh, we had a situation to where we had a day where uh, we didn't have anyone teaching, and so I, uh, I took up the spot, and I started studying the lesson like five minutes before we were supposed to teach it, and then uh, I had to go up there and teach it to the kids, but uh, it ended up going pretty good, I think, uh, you yeah. I didn't think I was going to be able to get up in front of all of the kids and the other students and share my testimony because if you can't tell by this, I'm kind of really awkward. And I thought that if I said like one thing wrong, people were going to laugh at me. And... um as I was up there saying my testimony, no one, like, really laughed or did anything to make me feel awkward. And so it was just, I don't know why I was nervous, but I was very nervous for it. And it just, yeah. Um, I didn't think I was going to be able to get through all the long and hard days we had, wake, like waking up at 7 and not having our days until like 4 or 5, but it all worked out in the end, and our days ran pretty smoothly, and yeah, we were able to share the gospel with the kids every day. It was really cool to see the people that went on the trip were completely different from the people that came back. They really went out of their comfort zone for a lot of things. A lot of them, whenever they signed up, said that they would not be able to teach a story. And by the time the week was over, they had taught kids and they had shared their testimony and just done things that they would have thought was impossible. And so it was really cool to come back and see how much they've changed. And so uh, give us an example of a person that you were able to invest in that week. There was a lot of kids and people kind of our age. And so what, what was an example of someone that you were able to really invest in that week? Um, there was this little girl. Her name was Emma. She was about five or six. And um, when she got there, she was super shy and she didn't really open up. But once I started like hanging out with her and playing with her, she opened up to this little bright and happy girl that she, was, she wasn't even like the same person before. And it was just a great experience to know that I could change someone to be able to be happy. Um, there was this one person I met and their name was Caleb and they were, I think, two years younger than me. And the first, I remember the first day we got there, they, were by themselves. They had just showed up, and 
they were by themselves for a little while, and then me and a couple other people went over and uh, talked to them, and we just connected with them, and every day after that, last week, we would, they would look forward to seeing us, and we just, like, made their whole week, I guess, and that was the one thing that they would look forward to during the day, or that was the one thing that, like, made them excited about the week was whenever we would show up, and we just formed a really good connection with him, and uh, it was a good, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, there was this one kid at our second apartment complex. Uh, he was 13 years old. His name was Jose. He had a mullet. It was really cool. And uh, whenever him and his brothers got there, I think it was on the second day, they're all just sitting over there all alone. So I went over there, talked to his brothers a little bit, and then uh, eventually I made my way to him. And, I mean, he was, like, super introverted. Like, he didn't want to talk to anyone at all. Like, if you try to ask him a question, he just, like, nod or give you a little mm-hmm or something. And uh, I started working on him. And, I mean, eventually, by, like, the end of the week, he, we were just having full-on conversations, making him laugh. And uh, it was kind of like a me and him relationship because everyone else that would come up to talk to him, he'd still be kind of introverted and awkward with them. He'd just kind of quiet. But then, like, if they left and it was just me and him again, he'd just open up and start, like, talking to everything he knows. So there was this one kid at our first apartment complex. His name was uh, Alejandro, and he didn't really, like, he got there on the second day, and he was just off to the side, just, like, you can tell he didn't really know any of the other kids. And he, uh, so me and another kid just went over there and invited them to come play football with us, and he got over there, and we started actually seeing who he really was, and he started, like, He's like a really good quarterback, so he came over there, started throwing the ball with us, and, well, we started talking to him, and we figured out that uh, he had actually just gotten out of juvie for because, like, him and his mom didn't really have a good relationship, and he went and got in a fight at the park and then took it out on his mom. And so, like, throughout the week, we just started talking to him and, like, tried to help him with his relationship with his mom, and then on the last day, he came up to us and said that him and his mom are on good terms now and that we, like, really helped him out with it. So. Uh, talking about that same kid, uh, it was really sad to see because he was a really good kid, you could tell. But uh, he'd grown up in a bad situation, got involved in the wrong things. And, uh, I mean, it kind of just broke my heart, really, because, I mean, talking to him, you could tell he was the nicest guy ever. But uh, he just did the wrong things he shouldn't be doing. And, uh, I mean, it really opens your eyes to what's going on in the world, not with uh, what we're growing up in here, being in church and being around good people. You know, there's uh, a lot more that's going on. You just need to reach out to more people because, I mean, that's what goes on out there, you know. So for me, Mission Arlington, when I was 15, 16 year old, that was my first chance to see what I was actually capable of. I had never taught a Bible study. I had never really um, 
like try to put myself out there and go outside of my comfort zone. And so Mission Arlington teaches you a lot about yourself, what you can do, what you can't do, what you thought you were good at and not so good at. And so the students learn a lot. They go there with some uh, presumptions about what they're good at and what they can't do. Uh, and they come back kind of practicing some of that and learning a lot about yourself. And so what is the biggest thing that you learned about yourself this week at Mission Arlington? Um, so, like, I didn't really think I'd be able to, like, spark just random conversations with random kids and, like, get to know them better. But there was this one kid at the second apartment complex that would just, like, beat me up every day. And he, he had found, like, this metal stick and started hitting me with it. And um, so then I just started talking to him and started getting to know each other. That didn't really help me getting beat up, but, I mean, we still grew closer together. That was pretty funny to watch. Um, I learned that I'm more social than I think I am. Like, I can actually keep a conversation going. I can start one. I can, uh, it's like going back to that Jose kid. I mean, he didn't want to talk to anyone, but I ended up being able to open him up. And every day we'd have full-on conversation going on the whole time. I learned that from the beginning of the week, I was way more awkward than closer to the end of the week. And I learned that I shouldn't be as awkward as I make myself. And now I'm, I'm still kind of awkward, but not as awkward. Okay. Still awkward. <laughs> still awkward. Um, I learned that I could do a lot more things than I thought I could. Like, right before I had to teach my lesson... I was, like, freaking out. Cameron had to give me, like, a little pep talk. He was like, it's going to be okay, and whatever. But I figured out that I can do a lot more things that I thought I couldn't do. And, yeah. So having to learn all those things, they had to do a lot of uncomfortable things. They had to do what they would have rather not have done. The whole week is surrounded by intentionality. And like Lainey said, I'm there to kind of push them. Richard was there to push them. They were all pushing each other to, to do what they know they can do, but it's going to be hard for them to do. And so with all of that, what was the most uncomfortable thing that you had to do this week? Um, the most uncomfortable thing I had to do during the week was probably going and knocking on the doors because you don't know what's going to be on the other side of the door. You don't know if someone's going to be like under the influence of like drugs or intoxicated and it's just pretty crazy just having to go meet someone completely new. The most uncomfortable thing for me was how hers was knocking on the door and how I didn't know what was going to be on the other side of the door. And one door that I knocked on, it the person who opened the door was obviously taking some kind of drug at that time. And I could just see through past the person, kids on the ground just obviously not being taken care of or shown the love that they needed or given what they were needed to just live and they were really scrawny and looked like they hadn't eaten in a while and it was just it was hard and uncomfortable because it I couldn't do anything about it and I couldn't like 
just open the door, go grab them and bring them somewhere to where they wouldn't be in that situation anymore. And it was very uncomfortable because I couldn't do anything. Um, I'm very uh, not good with kids or infants. So, <laughs> yeah, I have a baby sister. I don't, I don't know how to take care of her. But, um, but for the past four years, it's always been a little uncomfortable for me to go up there and teach the kids and, you know, I grow this relationship with them because uh, I do a lot better with people my age. Uh, it's just easier to talk to them. But you have little kids, you know, you have to kind of say smaller words. You can't you know, talk about uh, as much stuff as you could because they haven't experienced much. And so, I mean, it's kind of hard to do that, but I think I was able to do a pretty good job of it. So for me, it was like all these kids, like you'd be in the middle of the lesson or like you just get them seated and then they run off and they'd start like playing around again. And it was just like kind of weird and uncomfortable to have to go and like stop everything and go and get them. And then like your whole plan would just like fall apart because like there was one time where we couldn't get the kids to come sit down because they were like in love with hula hoops like they've never seen them before. And yeah. So all these things that they had to do, getting out of their comfort zone and um, pushing themselves to, to do more, it led to a lot of cool things that we got to see happen and um, they will have those stories forever. But what is the co coolest thing that you saw God do this week? Um, it was probably like, so on Sunday we went and the apartment complexes that we were like, doing our Rainbow Express at, we went and we helped with their apartment churches. And like in the apartment church that I went to, there was like no kids there. There were probably five kids and they were all from the same family. But like whenever we went to Rainbow Express, just a bunch of these kids showed up and like the like teacher of the apartment church had come and she like hadn't seen any of these kids in years and just them like, the fact that they like just came there was really cool. She forgot the question. Um, the coolest thing was that apartment complex, the little apartment churches. Because I mean, you go out on mission trips and you see people uh, huddled together trying to have church on the ground or something, not in a big old place like this, you know. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're doing the exact same thing that you'd be doing in China with people. Uh, they're finding, like, any space they can and uh, having church there. And I mean, it doesn't matter where they are, what the weather looks like, they're always there. They're, like, committed to it, and uh, they pray so much, uh, especially at Mission Onsen. And, like, everything is wrapped around prayer. And uh, I really saw that in these uh, apartment churches. I just thought it was so amazing to see what just a few amount of people could do and change an entire complex. Um, what's wrong with the microphone? Can you repeat the question? What was the coolest thing you saw God do this week? Okay, so from being there the first day not many of the kids, like, were 
knew or knew who God was or even understood some of it. And then by the end of the week and us being there and teaching them about God and singing the songs we sang and just praying with them, it it changed them and it led them to be closer to God and it was just a really cool thing to see that God gave me the courage to talk to them and then see them happy and be able to understand God from a different point of view. Um, the coolest thing that, that uh, wait, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> The coolest thing I saw God do was just, like, help all these kids open up and just be a completely different person than they were. Like Richard said, one of the kids he was talking to was super shy when he first met him, but just eventually he opened up and was a completely different person. Yeah. The coolest thing for me and a lot of the adult leaders was seeing how different these students are now. Um, a lot of the things that I tried to push them to do, honestly, a couple of them were me asking them to do something, knowing that they're going to say no to this, but it'll warm them up to the idea for the future. And some of them would say yes immediately, and they would they would do it and do it well. And so uh, they're going to have forever the confidence and the boldness from going out this week to bring home to their friends and their family and around here. And so... Um, because you, you did all that, how does it feel to know that the people that you talk to have experienced the gospel because of you? Um, it's an amazing feeling to know that you could change a kid's life just by going and having a conversation with them or just by going and teaching them a lesson from God's word. And It can just impact their life so much and they can become saved just from one conversation. For me, it, it's a good feeling to know that I could have been the first or only person that has talked to them about God. And uh, I know that not every kid is as privileged as I am to be able to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and have a mom that makes me be involved. And just overall, it's a good feeling to know that I was maybe that kid's only person that told them about who God was, and I could have possibly changed their life for the better. Uh, it's kind of scaring or scary, uh, knowing that you're going up there teaching the gospel, and maybe they've never heard it before, because uh, I don't know. I start to overthink everything, and I'm kind of like, what if I say it wrong? What if I'm going to take it the right way? Or some, stuff like that. And uh, at the same time, it's really awesome that you're able to go up there and uh, most of the time be the first one to actually tell them about that. And that could completely change their life forever. And, I mean, we'll never really know about that because, I mean, they're all the way up there in August and we're down here. But uh, just knowing that you, were, you had a mission, you went up there and you did it. And uh, you're doing what God's telling you to do. It was a really good feeling to be able to. Uh, so that you could do. Like, going off of what Richard said, like, it was, like, really scary just to, like, 
know that if you get up there and you say one wrong word, they might take it wrong and just not ever find Jesus. And it was also amazing because like some of these kids only hear the gospel four days a week whenever you go out and do Rainbow Express. And so like God helping us just like do all four of those weeks like perfectly so that they'll be able to learn more about him and just just like spark conversation so they'll find him. All right, and last question for y'all. What is something you learned this week at Arlington that is going to help you to share the gospel here in Mid-County? Um, so I learned that like all of us can step out of our comfort zones to like go and spread his word because like a lot of us were like scared to get up in front of random people we know and just like share the, share the gospel, share their own testimonies and like with us being up there that just shows that you don't have to be afraid to like go and preach the gospel because God will help you through it. Uh, I learned that it takes time uh, to build a relationship with people and to teach them about God because I mean uh, usually we go up to people and we tell them and nothing would come out of it. It's because we don't know the person and we haven't built a relationship with them. And uh, you could really see it throughout the week. Uh, the more that we have fun and play with them, the more that they'd sit back and actually listen. Rather than at the start of the week, they didn't really know us, we didn't know them, and they'd be running around, not really uh, focusing or anything. So I think that's a big thing is that uh, it takes time. It's not an immediate thing. I was trying to think of my answer. Can you say the question again? Um, I learned that up there, or I learned that before we even went up there, I was nervous to even like talk to people about God and just. Now that we're here, or the week after now, um, don't laugh at me. Um, now that we're back here, I've learned that I can get up in front of people and talk to people about God without feeling uncomfortable. And uh, I feel like that's really going to help me with being able to talk to more people about God and. Um, I learned that God can do, like, change things very quickly. Like, we were about to do our Rainbow Express, I think, on the third, or second or third day. And then these, these men, like, they were Romanian. They came and just sat, like, in the park, and they were blasting music. And we didn't know how we were going to be able to teach our lesson, like, our lesson to the kids. But he changed how the like situation was going and they ended up stopped playing their playing their music so now I know that God can change things very quick or it was quickly. very annoying very all right let's give a hand for these guys for coming up and telling their stories So for me, even as a student, going to Mission Arlington and coming back, you, you have kind of like this camp high. Like I spent a week 
taking all these opportunities. This whole week was one big chance for me to share the gospel. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to live that just like I did at Arlington. And for me and every other student, you come back and you come back to the real life and it kind of just dies away. You lose those opportunities that you had in Arlington. And so I'd always wondered, like, why in Arlington are all these opportunities here for us? And then we come here and there's no opportunities for us. There's no chances for us to show the gospel. And so uh, quickly in Acts chapter 4... Basically, uh, Peter and John are taken before court for preaching the gospel. And uh, the the last line was, they healed a man. And so they brought uh, Peter and John before court, and they're saying, why are you doing this? In what name uh, do you do this? And so Peter answered in uh, chapter 4, verse 13. He said, uh, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all all the inhabitants in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. <clears throat> and so they, the court brought Peter and John, everyone was in front of them, and they said, you cannot do this anymore. You, you have to stop. And they were so overwhelmed, and they said, we cannot but speak. We can't help but share that our lives have been changed because of the gospel. And even throughout the threat of death and persecution, they said, we can't help it. Whether you listen to us or not, it's up to you, but we cannot help but share this gospel. And so it's great to see these students have the same mindset that they would go, their lives have been changed so much that they've gone uh, to Arlington, Texas and share the gospel. But we have to remind them and everyone else as we come back, we still, um, we still have that call to share the gospel. We still have that, that yearning. We've been talking about on Sunday uh, mornings that we need to go, that we have the obligation to share the gospel, that we need to be looking for opportunities and whenever we see no opportunities, our, we're told, and our natural reaction is to pray for opportunities. We, we say, there's no one in my life that really needs to hear the gospel, and so I don't really have that opportunity, so I'm going to pray for more opportunities. Um, we kind of find ourselves in where Peter and John were. We find ourselves in a place where we, we can't share the gospel here, so we need to pray for more opportunities. But Peter and John's reaction was the opposite of that. They go into verse 23, When they, Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends and reported them what the chief priests and the elders had said to them, saying, they cannot share the gospel anymore. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. 
to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So we can go on these mission trips and we can go on these outreach events and we can be super intentional for that week or those hours or that short amount of time, but then we come back to the world, we come back to our jobs and priorities start to take place, and we lose those opportunities, not because they're not there, but because those are too much for us. Those aren't the opportunities that we want to take. So we usually try to pray, God, I want an opportunity to share the gospel, but usually those opportunities are already there for us. Usually they're opportunities that we want to ignore. At Mission Arlington, their whole week is, my mission is to share the gospel. Then they come back and they're told, your mission is to do well in school, your mission is to do what you need to do here, and ours is to work and provide for our family. And we forget our mission and we lose those opportunities, not because they're not there, but because we don't want to take those opportunities that are given to us. The opportunities in our family where we have a cousin or a brother that is an atheist, or a friend or neighbor that we need to share the gospel with, but we know it kind of mess up some relationships and make some things awkward. We, we want to ignore those, but we're going to pray for more opportunities for the gospel. And so after this week, it kind of opens up the students to see these opportunities are everywhere all the time. Mission Arlington is successful in sharing the gospel because they do life with the people around them, and they're bold enough to take those opportunities to share the gospel. Not because they're praying for more opportunities or they're, they're looking to do things outside of their reach, but because they're placed with a purpose, just like us, and they see those needs, and they fill it. They see those opportunities, and they share, those gospel, share the gospel. And so let's stand together with our, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And for the students, um, these next few weeks, the biggest thing that I'm pushing is to see those opportunities, not to, to pray that uh, an opportunity that we want to take would come, and not to be discouraged once we do take those awkward chances. They went out of their comfort zone, and they saw the fruit of it, because um, they, they did what God was calling them to do. For us, we, we start to take those opportunities, and we see the failure of them, and we start to become discouraged. For me, while I was at Lamar, my, my goal was to share the gospel with as many people as I could. And I did that. And I had a lot of really awkward interactions, and I had a lot of rejections. I've probably shared it with 100 people just at the Lamar campus, and none of them really received it well. And so if we base it off of the success of how they take it, we're going to become discouraged. But if we take it off of the fact that we shared the gospel and we took the opportunity when we could, not how they reacted, but that we did what God called them to do and we've planted that seed for God to take that, then we're doing what we're supposed to do. And so I want to challenge you all to, to think about those things that you might be ignoring or things that you aren't paying enough attention to because you, you think of all the complications that will come in the way. We all have plenty of opportunities around us we just need to, instead of praying for those opportunities, pray like Peter and John and pray for the boldness to take those. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for these students and their devotion and uh, seeing the success of their week and just the fact that they love you so much and their lives have been changed so much that they would go out of their comfort zone and uh, share your gospel. I ask that you would give the rest of us the boldness that these students have, that we would see those opportunities and not look around for more that would be more comfortable or safe for us, but that will take the ones that you've already placed us in. In your name, amen.
you so much for listening, and we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.